0: You better train for me, because I'm training for you. We got a love, love, a revolution to do. You better train for me, I'll be training for you. March 23rd, 2023, episode 44. This is a report back on the progress of this flood sport operation that I'm um, that I'm working on which is really perfecting and optimizing the process of um, adapting and innovating rainwater catchment solutions in the desert uh, with the consideration that whereas rainwater catchment is usually considered something you would do with, um, earthworks, uh, meaning contour ditches, AKA swales that, um, that act as, um, collection points for sheet flows of water in, in rain events, uh, depending on where you are in the world and the soil type and the slope that'll yield different, um, different results Um, but here in the desert relatively flat uh, area the probability the likelihood of there being sheet flows of water to capture with earthworks is, uh, is very minimal even when there's massive almost flood like rain events which I've experienced here now um, even then the sand is so absorbent so porous that, uh, that I have not yet seen the dry creek beds the very minimal dry creek beds that are here actually flow across the surface so I don't know if it'll be Another year, another five, ten, hundred thousand years before those dry creek beds run again after or during a major rain event, but uh, I did a lot of design work and a lot of um, human scale shovel earth earthworks um, to to direct a system of swales into a system of um, of ponds. And uh with the hope that they will be that finances will allow for there to be a massive uh allocation of funds required to adequately seal the ponds with bentonite clay, and that is the um the ultimate goal to fulfill over time, but in the meantime, the other given that that um the reality that uh that capturing rainwater in swales and distributing it to ponds is is going to be a very rare event to um to maximize the potential use of the growing uh output of the production potential of then it's going to be all about more intermediate measures, uh, meaning capturing the rainwater when it comes down by any means necessary, and then storing that in tankage over time that can be used to to fill very small pond pond like um, aquatic environments aquaculture productive systems that are on a very a very micro scale so i call it my bonsai food forest and in there i have a number of fruit trees and herb and green and other crops growing and they're all being irrigated by the pond water that's alive with fish and water plants um that are, are going through phases of showing me what they require to make it or not make it from one year to the next through all the seasons. I've basically experienced what uh, one entire year of what does well and what doesn't do well so far out here. And that's gonna be an evolving process. But the point being, without that bentonite, being off-grid, off-road, having to import Whatever water that i can 't capture from the sky means that um, everything is kept at a micro scale, and eventually with bentonite on hand i 'll be able to seal a, a number of um, of a, a number of ponds that that will at least be seasonal and productive if not if not be um, it'll be a process to get them to be year round and that would require some some epic scaling up of rainwater catchment to be able to maintain a livable water quality and water level over the dry months but those intermediate measures because i do not have a lot of roof i don't i don't have a lot of structural rooftop square footage to capture rainwater just passively hitting hitting the roof and going into gutters and going into collection barrels or tanks underground or whatever what, whatever have you. I started out with the most basic catchment of the rainwater hitting a, a tiny home tin roof and going down a rain chain and collecting in a barrel or a basin and, and then... Um, harvesting that after the rain and just transferring it with with a uh, little galvanized maybe two gallon pails just hand transporting that uh that that catchment or that harvest just straight over to the stock the galvanized approximately 200 gallon stock tank pond and uh Figuring out the balance of how how much I can spoil the crops with um, with, with irrigation and how much I can scale the crops out um, within that somewhat real time rainwater budget. That's what I'm really getting figured out is, is how do I how do I wean off the water supply from the outside as I scale into into catchment. And uh, of course starting off I had to just import 55 gallon drums And then later scale out To more larger forms of tankage And phasing out plastic And moving towards galvanized And whatnot. Um, but basically starting out on, uh, From the continuum of um, I got to import I got to import water I got to get a truck that that can do that Which I did And then I have to scale that out So that I've got at least for my own hydration and sanitary needs uh very very wisely used very frugally used i'll have the ability to keep myself alive with with an amount of uh of water supply that that will if used wisely will at least last one year at a time and so minimize my exposure to the outside world thankfully and um and then give me this new space opened up to to then start first start shifting from irrigating with irrigating and hydrating myself with but the same water that I import to to capturing rainwater, and then f- first starting with the irrigation start to phase out the water from the outside going into irrigation and then phase in the rainwater going into the irrigation figuring out what that balance how that balance can work can work out and then eventually I will phase out my own use of the outside water and I'll be using the um appropriate f- filtration and purification methods in order to um to feel comfortable and safe uh, both irrigating with the captured rainwater and and hydrating myself and uh, for now I'm at a point where the strategy that I have implemented to scale up from just the simple very small tiny home uh, tin roof capture was to scale out into a temporary measure of um, not sealing the ponds with betonite yet but uh next best thing that's not uh that, that's reasonably affordable relative to um the industry standard of h of uh edpm rubber pond liner material which is about five times more expensive than what i settled on as the intermediate option which is 20 by 20 foot 16 mil tarps uh, that you would see being used to cover boats or or um, leaky roofs or whatever, or, or in other just industrial uses, you you use them to protect um, a lawn while you or or set them, use them as drop cloths, whatever. They're just the standard. But this 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 I searched for a very thick gauge, very heavy duty um, tarp. Uh, Model and started out with two of them. Although I wish I would have gotten more, but I wanted to test them first. So I'm at a point now where I have successfully tested those two of those tarps and um, f- was able to develop a, a, a method in order to anchor them into the the pits that I dug, the pond pits that they're about uh, 30 foot diameter. Um, three to four stepped concentric circle sort of inverted pyramid cylindrical um, pits that uh, for them to be ergonomic while digging them out, basically you dig one ring and then you descend down and drop it, drop it in. Um, I've I decided on about, about three feet, three foot, um, three-foot rings That have like about a, a shovel a shovel depth About a maybe maybe closer to a foot so Just imagine. Yeah circle uh, concentric circles stepping down into the ultimate uh, low point the ultimate pit and then um just so you have steps to get in and out of it and to and dig down one one segment at a time and then of course over time the wind sort of uh, rounds the edges and it becomes a very still retaining enough of that step structure to be able to get in and out of them without damaging the structure of it or just falling you know it's 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 actually um navigable in that sense by design and then the the wind well well while well, it will round out those um, those step edges from the original carve out um, yeah it makes it a nice it ma- makes a nice smooth surface and uh, the 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 thing to overcome was the issue of okay if you're going to lay the tarps down in there how are you going to keep them from blowing away because often, you know, you're not going to get the rain event without a bit of a storm, without some winds, and uh, tarps of that size. Trying to wrangle them, it's very, uh, it's very difficult, and that in itself is is a, a very frustrating workout um, managing that process. So, in the process of training and drilling, while well, doing dry runs, literally. Um, with installing these tarps I I figured that uh, I should start with carabiners tied to um, parachute 550 parachute cord and then tie those to wooden stakes that uh, basically like a a T-shape, two pieces of wood two by two one foot length two by twos um, fastened together to make a t-shape and then inverting that t-shape and digging it into the ground so that there would be a an anchor point that um, that the parachute cord could be uh, attached to by drilling a hole through it so so it's buried underground it's for me the consideration is that that wood material is far safer uh than rebar impounding in rebars, which I'm very uh, averse to and try to avoid uh whenever possible. They always <laughs> surprise you in fact, I was surprised by a number of them here that almost popped tires and you know impaled my foot at times, so randomly just really actually one time walking past seeing and just being like i. It was like seeing a scorpion. There was something that affected me, an abnormality as I was walking by, and probably just the last windstorm exposed it just a little bit. And I was like, uh oh, I know what that is. Like almost stepping across it and being like, nope. And then I (laughs) dug it out, and yeah, it was like a two foot submerged, rusty, sharp. Rebar piece pointed straight up right over where I would be normally be driving within a few inches So I just couldn't believe it and then there was like More than one of them within within an area and hopefully that was the only area <laughs> that, that 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 that'll happen But anybody who has that has had similar experiences would know It's scary and uh and It's reasonable to want to avoid that so my thinking was yeah i want to i want to sink something in the ground that i can put some rocks around at the surface so i can find them if they get buried in sand and storms and also so that i can not trip or 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 get injured on them um and so that's that's that was a solution to to uh to bury these these wooden anchors and then tie um carabiners on on paracord to them so that I could hook into the eye holes of the tarp and uh you know measured that out mocked it up. And, uh, and 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 worked well in in uh, dry runs, and there were several times where it, it threatened to rain, and it never did, or it was just a tiny bit, and it evaporated before I, before it even amounted to much. Um, so I did get a bit, yeah, plenty of training in installing them, putting them in, taking them out, kind of optimizing the the speed with which I could um, the methodology to to. Very rapidly deploy them into place and very in in the face of winds, so that uh I could get multiple acre points down after the first four corners and um, and also have a methodology to to sweep them off and and fold them back up and store them securely out of out of uh UV exposure so that they can last a long time and it's just been a matter of uh back and forth back and forth putting them out when it when it looks like it's going to rain or when the the forecast says that it's going to rain and trying to time that as best as I can and um yeah there was some there were some um disappointing drills that happened and then there were there's now been two or three um significant or from from mildly significant to very significant rain events where I was able to really put them to the test and get the results that I wanted and and then Optimize and iterate upon the the water harvesting method, which is now the use of uh, Of a drum a drum pump. It's plastic now, but I'm going to upgrade to stainless steel uh, as soon as, as soon as possible but that drum pump just getting be carefully, carefully, slowly treading and and kneeling on the tarp, and be mindful not to puncture it, but trusting that it's built to last and that it can handle a bit of a bit of um, actual usage. But just getting out there to where the water pools up in that lower pit of the concentric circles, and um, extracting as much as can be extracted with that uh, with that drum pump and then using a like a tin can or even cupped hands to get the very last bit of it and then just um rolling the tarp over sw- sweeping off any of the of the remainder and then folding it back up and and then storing them again securely and out of the out of the sun so that strategy is what I've decided on or what I designed and then implemented and tested and proves and has proved successful it's held up during the wind once there's weight from some rainfall in the base of it in the base of that pit then even if it's really windy it'll it'll stay down and it won't just flap itself away which I was worried about uh, the paracord is holding up perfectly i'm gonna definitely upgrade the carabiners because i've i see them starting to bend and i've lost a couple of um connections and so i'm just gonna keep overbuilding and overbuilding until until it's there's no no more incidents of breakage and um Yeah, optimize and upgrade some of the some of the the overbuilding of of the process but the as far as the the unit itself the module the fractal that can be scaled up from it's it's i'm very happy with it it's a human scale operation um using that uh what I call the shovel fist implement that I developed in order to save my back after uh, using shovels for years and discovering that the ergonomics are actually destroying my lower back uh, more than I ever wanted to admit, but because I could get away with it in my earlier decades and I can't get away with it now, I've been forced to really uh, ergonomically correct the way that I move the earth by hand, and that is to, to be kneeling and having a uh, a shovel literally strapped to my forearm that looks kind of like a Wolverine claw, but is just a a sort of half-sized spade, um, like a almost like a trenching an entrenching shovel. Um, yeah, if you imagine imagine having your entrenching shovel, and then having it uh, having it strapped to the near the elbow at the top of the forearm and then having a handlebar uh, going laterally so that you could um, you could operate it with a closed fist and have the shovel be coming up and out from from above your fist uh, from past your fist so it's kind of like that wolverine claw. well that has been for me the saving grace of my back and what it slowed me down but it has It has been a major beneficial game changer for uh the ergonomics of this process if i'm do if i'm going to be doing this every day scaling out and digging more of these pond systems eventually to be filled with bentonite but being the placeholder rainwater catchment system being these tarps then and at a point where I'm going to continue to make to to dig as many of these as I can because the more I do the freer I get. This is a a very a very correlated metric of the amount the amount of gallons I can capture in a rain event is is uh directly correlated to the number of days I do not have to risk going out into the matrix as it were the Babylon and back into civilization I extend my resilience and self-sufficiency and sovereignty here on my land by every gallon that I capture and so every drop that I miss it's like it's like burning a pile of money raindrops that I fail to capture and store and put through my systems and put through myself is money that I have to burn to go literally burn fuel to go and import water from the outside world and uh it's painful and tragic when uh and when the last time it was the epic fail of being the biggest rain event so far since i've been here and uh and the solution i had in place before the tarps was inadequate and failed uh slightly before that rain event and i was left completely um Many steps back in the process, and it was very painful. But that's what sparked me to just go beast mode and just keep digging, and devote myself to this process, and and pray that the uh, the anchors would hold and the tarps wouldn't fall apart, and I would be able to upgrade to a to an intermediate level, short of spending five hundred dollars on a rubber liner i could spend a hundred dollars on a tarp and that will scale much more affordably and probably those rubber liners under these conditions would be about equally subject to puncture as the as the uh, the tarps yet they're five times more expensive not not that they're not five times better because i have used them in other applications but you would want to have underlayment and you wouldn't really be you wouldn't be moving them in and out. They wouldn't be these sort of um, rapid response tools. They would be, you put an underlayment down to protect the the base of it. You fill it and it never gets exposed to direct sunlight ever again. And hopefully you have stuff growing on the bottom and the top and in between so that you're not really exposing it. Even on the surface where, you, where it is, uh, the lip comes up, you will be putting rocks and plantings and whatnot overhanging the edge of that, that liner so you wouldn't even barely see it if at all and it wouldn't have you know exposure so this is a much different circumstance i would not want to buy a 500 dollars rubber liner and have to try to anchor it down and no so this is making a lot of sense i'm scaling it out it's working very well and um, i'm very happy about it very excited about it and it's amazing what i'm what what i'm learning in the process of being forced to scale down the scale down the plantings and the the management of the of the ecosystem to literally the smallest bonsai even though i have acres upon acres because of the climate, because of um, financial, the financial climate, and the uh, and just the biome, the desert biome, it's not a it's it's a, it's a it's a major paradigm shift for me to have um, to be forced into such extreme austerity with the horticulture. So, what the value of it is that uh, it's teaching me what I can get away with in terms of health and wellness and productivity and how like pushing the limits of my own deprivation push, pushing the limits of the deprivation of what if this is the first time i haven't had um a spigot with a on on tap water supply from the grid you know so it was always tokenistic and theoretical to capture rainwater as a sort of like symbolic act almost in other places throughout my life. And not only were they more temperate climates, but with that being spoiled with that access, there was no, re- like I didn't go out of my way to force myself to figure out the the, the, the ecology and the economics um, The budgeting of rainwater to grow the food that I would need to survive and to start with that being only a small share of herbs and veggies and whatnot to then eventually over time providing calorie crops and liberating me 100% from all of the external systems of food and water supply. And I, I, if I would if I would have to say where am I at on that continuum, <laughs> I mean I've I've been at places where I was way further ahead than I am now, but that was because I ha- it was a temperate climate because there was water supply on tap. Here I would say maybe along that whole continuum maybe ten fifteen percent of the way of where I want to be, but this is my first land project where i own the land and i'm doing the effort to to uh, invest time and energy and resources into a long-term strategy that hopefully hopefully within within 10 years of dedicated daily effort not leaving and not working for anyone else and spending as many hours a day as i reasonably can given the the uh the extremes of temperature and the limits of um <laughs> limits of my my aging back that i will incrementally approach that 100 percent goal of all of my water comes from the sky all of my food comes from the ground and i'm not burning fossil fuels for any reason and um any computing that I want to do is, I'm already 100% off grids in terms of energy, um, which is great. So that's one thing to to be proud of. Um, and that took some dialing in and that took some optimizations and build outs and whatnot, some study. And number of years to to get to a point where it was really working well and, and balanced out. So I'm confident this will be the same. Just modularization, scaling up, building on successes, shoring up weaknesses and uh, getting closer and closer to a point where like the next time it rains, the, the the big rain that I failed to capture was 10 times as big as the rain that I succeeded at capturing just the other day. Um, or that my systems in place, at the small scale they're at, were, were, were in place such that I could capture a, 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 the maximum amount, given my capacity, and top everything off. Um, but in that rain event back in October, where it was about 10 times as much, and I missed almost all of it, I realized, at that time, that if I sincerely focus and dedicate my myself almost un um, uns, unshake, un if un undivided focus on on getting this system tested and building it out and scaling it up over time as the resources um, avail themselves, then when that next. 10x volume rain comes if I have a number of these tarps laid out It's going to get to a point where one rain event is enough to to irrigate my crops and hydrate and Maintain my my sanitation for Let's say at least a year or more um more ecologically speaking than the Gregorian calendar, it's like as long as as long as long I'm able to capture enough rain to get me through until a similar rain comes again, now whether that's within a few months or within a year or even two years, like I'm looking at this now with the perspective of if that 10x volume rain, when it happens again, I will really hope that I will have not just two of those tarps out and ready to capture it but I'll have 5 to 10 of them out and the tankage to to the storage tankage to match so that I'm looking at several years worth of storage at any given time and then not stopping there and continuing to build out until eventually I'm looking at enough water stored to uh, to last years beyond that, and then hopefully at some point converging on that timeline is the ability to start scaling in and replacing the tarps one at a time with um, with bentonite clay as the sealant and then going from capturing rainwater to seasonal ponds to perennial ponds and hopefully the productivity of those longer lasting aquaculture pond systems will actually yield financial rewards, uh, financial yields, so that I can do whatever it takes some combination of of uh, scaled up rainwater catchment some combination possibly of importing still water from the outside but ultimately what's going to happen over time is that there will be bentonite sealed ponds um, built at a human scale and scaled out across the landscape that are continually refreshed by natural rainfalls but then during drier periods maybe they get sort of stacked nested and stacked into each other in, in the sense that if i have to maybe i keep one of them fully stocked and ecologically productive with food productive plants and and fish stock and uh during when 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 the temperature is cool and there's less evaporation the other ponds that are sealed can be auxiliary backups to that pond and have some seasonal growth cycle but know that they're going to be sacrificial or that they're going to be growing green manure growing vegetation that can be used for composting and whatnot but not putting in like expensive fish stock they would have to either all harvest at once or or uh or let die or try to catch and move over to to the to the main uh the pond that will be the one that survives each summer and it's an interesting horizon to imagine how to um how how this dance is going to evolve to where i go from these these uh these very uh, early stage processes to getting to a point where every the effort put into every stage of the system is actually nested within an overall bigger picture, longer term design and there's no double work, there's no egregious sort of um, uh, cost in reworking something that completely obliterates what what came before it rather what's the the base foundational efforts are built upon in an elegant manner and upgraded in a backwards compatible sort of way to where every everything builds on itself so long as each phase proves itself out as being successful and so far um or it or or it's unsuccessful, and then it gets iterated upon and innovated on until it is, and then that's what that's the platform that 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 builds from there. So, yeah, who knows what I'll be using for acres and the size of the carabiners and cordage material, but that notion of pinning a tarp to a dugout pit to capture rainwater versus building a bunch of structures that are probably going to get hammered and blown away by the storms anyway to capture roof more roof water catchment that is an interesting strategy i have not seen it really in practice in my career but there's all kinds of strategies in the survival movement for you know being in a remote wilderness and using a plastic for example, plastic sheeting and actually putting it on top of a hole, digging a hole out, cutting branches off and letting them uh, in the sun under the, under the plastic sheeting evaporate and then putting a rock on, the, on that sheet uh, over, over uh, the center and putting a pot in that, in that pit and basically you have a solar still that uh, that gravity drains the collection of the water evaporating on the top of that uh, that plastic sheeting and down to a point where it drops into the, the basin. So these concepts have been with me, the ideas of um, adaptive strategies for rainwater catchment, adaptive strategies for filtering water that's already on the ground or in the ground. And uh, it's the foundation of all of this stuff water is the most uh, essential uh, input for survival. So with that said, that's the update. And I will report back when there are new developments to share in this regard. Hopefully, uh, if I could make one uh, PSA at the end of this, it is to say what I've learned in this process of being very, very abruptly shifted into extreme desert austerity and going from on, on road, on grid, on tap, to off-grid, off-road, off-tap abruptly, it made me realize that I should have been um, more diversified in my in my drills in my planning, my preparation in in that were similar to where what people would call like a blackout drill like in your house with your family whatever you you set up a a scheduled event where you camp out in your backyard, you turn off all the power, and you actually have to experience what it's like to realize that your batteries are dead and your drunk drawer, you can't find the flashlights and you don't have a first aid kit anywhere and you don't even have any food that's easy to transport, you don't have tubs built out that are easy to load out. So the idea of not just not just imagining it but putting yourself through it so that you have muscle memory and you have look you've realized where the blind spots are and you've shored up those weaknesses. Now I realize, and the p s a is that if I could give the advice to anyone who is still in some combination of on grid on road on tap, whatever is like i don't know if you necessarily want to shut your water off that's possible, but it could be i mean there's considerations that go with that 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 maybe it's better just to theoretically pretend it's not on and agree not to cheat <laughs> but um figure out how oh shit what what would i do how am i going to keep my crops alive if it's the middle of the dry season and some event causes the water to stop even for a day you know sometimes that can be enough to kill everything depending on where you are so the idea of on-site water storage tankage that's appropriately scaled and secured and the idea of figuring out those dynamics and those metrics of rainwater catchment capacity flow rate all that stuff to have that redundancy and to maybe you know if you don't have to you don't necessarily if you don't need to you don't have to it's not like it's, it's not like it's you, you win some award if you force yourself into that simulated austerity. But I wish, I, I know that I should have put more effort and time into saying, like, okay, one weekend a month or one week out of the year or even one month out of the year, whatever, I'm going to mock up a severe off grid, off road, off tap scenario. And I'm going to train for that possibility. And if I care to want to one day voluntarily live off grid, off off uh, off road, off tap and have a remote bug out location or a, a camping retreat or whatever, whatever, whatever you want to call it, that you it wouldn't be your first rodeo at that point. So this has been my first rodeo and I've had painful lessons learned and I've, you know, I've, there's been a lot of opportunity cost and a lot of expense in the form of not capturing the free, the free water from the sky. I'm capturing the free photons. That's what's, allow, that's what's charging the battery on this recording device right now uh, and allowing me to transmit. And I do have signals so I'm able to be online while off-grid, off-road, off-tap. Like I said, that's dialed in. But again, the what if being the what if person and trying not to drive your loved ones crazy in the process that's the art and science and uh and mystique of this uh this lifestyle so with that said cheers